0: Everyone, I'd like to invite you to listen to a new podcast called Art Rages. It's a podcast about the truly outrageous stories of the art and design world. I'm your host, Carrie, and each week we'll cover stories that are just plain crazy. Join me every Thursday for a new episode with stories from art theft, fraud, crime, and mysteries to designer drama, fun conversation tidbits, and discussions about current events. Find Art wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until then, stay outrageous.
1: Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.
2: Welcome to the 117th episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn, coming to you live from my man cave in Millsboro, Delaware. This week, we have Steven Rice, Media Relations Coordinator for the Fresno Grizzlies, single-A affiliate of the Colorado Rockies. If you like this episode, make sure to go back and listen to the older ones. Um, there's something back there for everyone. So many great stories and so many fantastic guests. It's, uh, it's so awesome. So go check out the older episodes. If you want a shout-out, super easy. Drop a rating and comment on any platform that you're listening on, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, whatever. That just helps us drive us up the charts a little bit, turns more people into listeners and members of the TARP crew. Make sure to go follow the designated Twitter account for the podcast, at Pod. That's where you can find all up-to-date news about the Pulling TARP podcast, and that's where you can reach out about becoming a guest as well. And if there's any businesses out there looking for a very unique sponsorship opportunity, that's where you can reach out. And if you guys really want to, you can follow me on Twitter personally at It's R.A. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N. Um, that's also uh, where you can reach out about becoming a uh, player, a member of the Pulling Tart podcast. Fantasy Football League. We're looking for one more person, I think. So um, reach out at Pulling Tart Pod on Twitter. I haven't tweeted it out there in a while, but we do have merchandise. You can get Pulling Tart Podcast stickers, coffee mugs, and wall art. Uh, there is a link tree in our bio on Twitter, um, or you could go to tpublic.com. That's teepublic.com. That's T E E P U B L I C.com. With all that being said, let's chat with Steven Rice.
0: Hello, everyone. I'd like to invite you to listen to a new podcast called Art Rageous. It's a podcast about the truly outrageous stories of the art and design world. I'm your host, Carrie, and each week we'll cover stories that are just plain crazy. Join me every Thursday for a new episode with stories from art theft, fraud, crime, and mysteries, to designer drama, fun conversation tidbits, and discussions about current events. Find Artrageous wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until then, stay Artrageous.
2: Stephen welcome on to the pulling Tar podcast you're joining us from the west coast it's not too often that we get a guest from the west coast but the west coast is the best coast as far as watching sports goes I'm sorry I'm I'm an east coast guy but you know going to bed at a very reasonable time after watching all the great games on the west coast is pretty awesome um but man how's the season going so far in Fresno Well,
3: first of all, thank you so much for having us on. It has been an outstanding year for not only the Fresno Grizzlies, but here in the front office as well. One of those years where everything has kind of gone to plan. First and foremost, we're happy that we're kind of getting out of that COVID year, right? Yeah. And I think for us, it's always something where the fans are able to come back. You know, there's not a lot of mass involved really anywhere. The players are excited. There's not a lot of restrictions. So we're able to talk to these guys on a regular basis. But on top of it, we're winning. And I think that's the biggest thing here in Fresno is we're about the winning culture. and We've done it for years. I mean, we have over five World Series championship teams in the past 13 seasons with our big league affiliates from the Astros to the Nationals, uh, including the San Francisco Giants as well. And now with the Rockies system, they've been winning for the past two years, being the top in the California League. It's been fantastic. So here in Fresno, we're rocking it. We're trying to stay healthy and then get to the postseason and win a championship for Fresno.
2: Awesome. Awesome. Love to hear it. Um, so, I was looking at, you know, your job description, which we all know, you dumb it down, it's other duties as assigned, no matter what position you are in minor league baseball, um, and the last thing that you list is being the occasional mascot. I think everybody that's that's worked in minor league baseball ha- has done that. If, if they haven't, then they really haven't worked in minor league baseball, so... What is the worst part about being a mascot, in your opinion?
3: You know, it's something that I never thought I would ever have to do in my life, right? You say that everyone who's worked in minor league baseball would have to do it. Well, you know, for me, I never thought I'd ever get a chance to be a mascot. And Mm -hmm. let me tell you this. The worst part about being the mascot, the worst, absolute worst part about being the mascot is the sweat, i'm a sweaty guy i just i'm a natural person in fresno it's hot here so you know perspiration everywhere it's it's a very warm time but the hardest thing is when you start sweating in that costume and your instinct is to wipe your forehead or to wipe the perspiration off your body and you can't do it because you have furry arms in your face yeah and so it's one of those things where you're like you kind of just have to let the sweat go into your eyes and all of a sudden your vision goes away And now you're a blind mascot trying to walk and be funny. Yeah. It's one of those things that, you know, you never expect. And, you know, I've I've always heard stories about other mascots and people doing it for the first time. And they're like, oh, my goodness, this was the easiest thing ever. And I'm like, man, you must have been in a cold area in the country because in any warm place, especially here on the West Coast in the California League, there is no such thing as a cool day in California.
2: Right. Yeah, right, right. Um, I don't – yeah, that's – I'm a sweaty person as well, so that's terrible. But yeah. like, when you get like that itch, like you you have to like itch your face or something like that, and you can't do it, that really you know drives me crazy. Um, I'm one of those people. Yeah. You get
3: those little boogers in your eyes, and you're trying to go and try to wipe that out too, and it's, it just gets really weird. And then you have that stinging feeling, mm-hmm. and you can't get rid of it. and You just have to deal with it until you get that break, whenever it may be. But you know what, though? Being a mascot, there was, you know, I've always, you know, watching people who've been mascots in the past, and I always thought, oh, it'd be a really cool thing to do. And then doing it, I'm like, this is one of the hardest things I have ever done in my life. I mean, literally having to put on a suit for hours and be funny and entertaining. I mean, I have no rhythm. I can't dance. (laughs) I can't sing. I mean, luckily as a mascot, you don't have to do the singing part, but like, when you have to do all these things and you can't really do it, it's it gets so difficult, but you know what, that is definitely the worst thing is that sweating aspect, it gets in your eyes and that stinging part. No way no. Bueno. Yeah.
2: Have you had to play any sports as the mascot?
3: So get this. So right, so I have a. I played baseball back in the day. So yep. this is I you know, I know how to catch a baseball, I know the proper etiquette of having having to do it. Well, during the COVID year, we actually had a couple of our uh mayor's group come out to throw out first pitches okay. as an honorary aspect and of course we couldn't deal with the whole covid thing so we kind of did it behind the scenes mm-hmm. so we we're out there for about an hour and a half in the middle of the day in fresno okay. and the mayor's office are throwing first pitches now it's the second time i've ever had to wear the suit mm-hmm. so i'm still getting accustomed to this sure. suit
2: every every suit's different yep
3: Oh, I mean, and that's the thing. It's like you're you're trying to get used to something that you just haven't done. Yep. So I go out there, and I have no glove because I'm the mascot.
2: Sure. You don't
3: have to wear a glove or yeah. anything like that. And all of a sudden, the mayor's come in, and I know our mayor can play sports. Okay. And I know he's got a good fastball. All right. And he's first pitch, and he throws it in there with some good speed. I can catch a lot of things. Bare hand in a bear suit does not no. go very well no. let me tell you that it was super difficult trying to see in general <laughs> i'm sweating profusely the sweats in my eyes i'm stinging and then trying to catch it is so hard And yeah. you would think that oh yeah you're playing baseball <laughs> you're a baseball mascot you should be able to do this no i think the hardest thing too is then it's being filmed the whole time so oh, i can't yeah. you know fake that it hurts i have to pretend that you know be that goofy mascot with it too it was probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do, and everything then has been a piece of cake ever since then. Okay,
2: game. okay. I was gonna tell you that I had to play broom hockey one time as uh, Snappy the Turtle, and it was it was like a cross promotion um, for the Rockford Ice Hogs, which are an yeah. affiliate of the Blackhawks, the Chicago Blackhawks.
3: They're fanta- their promotional uh, oh. promotions are fantastic. Yeah, Unbelievable they, what they do there. Yeah,
2: so we um, did like a season ticket exchange with them. And so I want to say it was like Hammy's birthday or something like that. And so I was the mascot. I was snappy. And in between periods, uh, we played a game of broom hockey with, with four kids, I think. And um, of course, I didn't have any skates, so they put me as the goalie. And we're playing, okay. we're playing broom hockey, and I think it's with like a volleyball or something like that. And I, I made a play, and I might have wiped out a kid because number one, I'm a little competitive. I, I lie. I'm a, I'm a lot competitive, but also I can't really see anything. So I think I wiped out a kid pretty good, um, and I felt bad afterwards. But at the same time, you shouldn't make mascots play sports. Well, so
3: now here's the next question, though, too, is when you're doing it in hockey, do they actually have you wearing skates underneath the suit, or how does that work? No, I I
2: wasn't wearing skates. So that's why they put me as the goalie, I think.
3: Oh, my goodness. See, I think it's one of those aspects where – Baseball is a little bit easier. Football is a little bit easier. You have a designated area as you're doing that. You might have to walk up some steps. But in hockey, there's that extra element of ice. Yeah. And, I mean, if you don't know how to escape or you don't know how to maneuver around ice, even if you have a carpet to protect you and all that, there's still that expectation that you could fall. And when you fall as a mascot, it is like a tree in the forest. It is loud, annoying, and no one hears it. But you feel the pain, so yeah. I completely feel that. So I, I mean, yeah, being a mascot was it was something that if if I ever get asked to do it again, <laughs> I have to do it. But I always got to come prepared. Got to make sure I have a towel. Yeah. Got to make sure I'm wearing some clothes that can handle it. You'll never see me wearing a polo no. if I'm uh, if I'm being the mascot for the day. For
2: sure, for sure. Um, so we were both, um, media relations guys. And so you currently are. I was once upon a time. Um, So I've noticed some very interesting facts about the teams that I've played for. What's the most interesting fact that you've come across for a player that's played for the Grizzlies?
3: You know, it's actually from one of our guys this season. Mason Green, left-handed pitcher, went to central Missouri, the Mules. Now... Okay. I you know, I know my colleges pretty well. I know my D ones, I know my D twos. Never really heard of Central Missouri. So I had to do some dig sure. you know, some deep dives and stuff like that. But Mason Green never lost a game in his four years at central Missouri. Okay. Now let me tell you this. You I mean, if you get to the next level after high school, D one, D two, D three, junior college, to play any sport, you're a dang good athlete. Sure. But to go undefeated in your college career in baseball is pretty unbelievable. Yeah. And he didn't get, you know, it wasn't like his team scored 15 runs for him every game. Mm-hmm. You know, he's pitching in some pitcher's duels. He has some good matchups. And you go undefeated. I mean, it's one of those aspects where you're, you know, if you're, like, I mean, I, I was a pitcher. And if I even had a chance to go 5-0 and in a season... It was a it was a miraculous season. Yeah, to go yeah. twenty seven and zero in your college career. Wow. Like I, I I don't know how you would go about it because the first of all, are you a braggart kind of person mm-hmm. and you're going, I'm never going to lose and have that kind of mentality. Yeah. Or do you have that aspect of I'm going to lose at some point because it's baseball, it's going to happen. Yeah. And so to be able to do that, I mean, it's unbelievable. So when I had a chance to talk to him and say, "What was your mindset?" He goes. I just had the best team behind me every time. Wow. And it's one of those things when you hear something like that, especially at at whatever level it is, Mm -hmm. and being Central Missouri at a D2 school, I was like, holy cow. Like This guy literally had the biggest compliment for his team, and he's the best draft pick and best player that's ever coming out of that school, and now you come into pro baseball, and he won his first couple of games, and then he suffered his first loss. And it's one of those things I'm like, I don't know if I want to go near him because he's never experienced this since high school. Yeah. So when you go five plus years without losing, that's easily the craziest thing I've ever seen in this position.
2: Yeah, that's wild. The one that's sticking out to me is that um, I was finding some some weird you know, things that's happened in the history of the franchise for the program. And I think it was in the late 90s, early 2000s. I think it was the second baseman for the Beloit Snappers. He quit. He retired in the middle of the game, like, just. I think it was the the third inning maybe, and uh, he walked off the field and he said, he said, "Skip, I'm done." Um, and he's like, "What do you mean you're done? Like, you're like you hurt or what?" And he's like, "No, I'm retiring. Like this this is it. I'm not I'm not going back out there." In the do middle you of the game, who it was? I don't remember who it was. I'd have, I'd have to. That's
3: unbelievable. I mean, because you have your guys that retire, you have your guys that kind of have their things, but to have it in the middle of a game, I mean, can you imagine all of a sudden where a guy gets taken out and everyone, you know, the broadcasters, the media guys are all thinking, oh, it's an injury, or you know, maybe he didn't run out of play or something like that. But to just come back later and find out, oh, he just quit and now he's retired and that's it. Right. It's it's a weird thing to think about and. Lloyd, you know it's a it's a lower level area too. So this is a mm-hmm. kid that you know has probably played you know a little bit, but all of a sudden just say you know what that's it. Yeah. Kudos to him. Yeah. I mean that is some big energy right there to do something like that. But yeah. you always hope after they quit and they retire that their careers and their lives work out afterwards. Yeah. Because, yeah. You know the whole mental health aspect now with you know all these guys. I mean, mm-hmm. and the way the grind is. I mean, it's it's difficult. So. Crazy that that actually happened.
2: Yeah, yeah. And then another thing. This actually happened when I was in Beloit. Um, I don't watch, you know, reality TV. I watch more now because my wife's like obsessed with it. And if right. I want to, if I want to watch TV with her, that's what we we watch. But um, we don't ever watch like The Bachelor, or Bachelorette. But a player, an ex-player for the Beloit Snappers, was. He won the Bachelorette, and while I was there, and we tried to get him to come out and you know throw a first pitch, make an appearance, all that, and it didn't work out. But um, yeah, he played on the same team as Prince Fielder and Ricky Weeks and and all those guys. So um, yeah, that was wild. And then he went, I think he went back to school and was the backup quarterback for Missouri, I think. Wow. Uh, see, josh murray was his thing. name
3: and what's crazy about that too though is that you see a lot of these players that have so many other extracurricular things that they've done i mean there was guys who were like two sport athletes three sport athletes in high school and college that could have been a better football player a better basketball player yeah. but they took the baseball route in general so when you hear about guys who do that kind of stuff similar story uh like i went to high school with or i he went to my rival high school uh, was named Brian Warner. He was a draft pick by the Rockies back in the day, a third rounder, I believe. Mm-hmm. Signed out of high school. Uh, if he would have gone to college, he would have gone to NC State and possibly could have been the backup to then Russell Wilson. Oh. And it's crazy to think that these guys were so good at one thing but decided to focus, or so good at two things but decided to focus on that one thing in baseball.
2: Okay. Speaking of people that, you know, went to our high schools, eh- so did Kyle Datras ever come through Fresno?
3: Kyle never did. He, okay. uh, he was one of the few that actually was on the upper levels initially before they ever came here. But a lot of his bats have made appearances here in Fresno, let okay. me tell you that. So when okay. you have when you have your bats, you always still feel that love. I mean, there's probably like eight or nine bats that I think I have somewhere around this office that have different names of guys that have never played here, just guys who are using their their oh, equipment.
2: Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because Kyle, um, I went to school with his older brother and sister, um, so so yeah, his his family is just known as like a super athletic family. Um,
3: I I only went to school. Um, I never went to school with anyone from my high school that played professionally, but my rival high school, the one where Ryan Warner went to school, had a bunch of guys that went D one and then went on to play different things. I know there's a guy, I think, that just made it to the NFL now. He's mm. a strong safety-slash-linebacker. Cool. Um, you know, we have a we have a couple guys that have, that are uh, playing in minor league baseball as well, too. And even for the Gri- Grizzlies, we have a couple guys that are from Colorado that I faced in high school or I faced in college. Okay. And it's kind of funny because then it's like, to see them succeed, I'm sitting there going what how yeah. how is this happening when we literally just played each other just a couple of years ago yeah
2: yeah that is wild um so you so are you from fresno or are you from colorado
3: i'm from colorado springs colorado born and raised okay. but i've been i've been here in fresno since about 2016
2: okay because it looked like you like worked in fresno and then you went back to colorado and then you went back to fresno on your linkedin page okay
3: yeah. Yeah. So the, it's kind of a weird kind of background, but when I was initially looking for work back in the day, um, I was in high school at the time and I, uh, I was kind of looking around and I was like, what would I want to do? Well, I have a connection with, uh, one of the clubhouse guys with the sky Sox. Let me yeah. reach out to them and say, Hey, do you have an opening? And worked for, you know, Colorado Springs as a, as a clubhouse guy. And then when I was in college, I had to get an internship for school to graduate. And I was like, you know what? I don't really want to be a clubhouse guy for my future. Mm -hmm. I want to work in the broadcasting or media relations realm. And so I reached out to Doug Greenwald in Fresno. And years later, we become co-workers. Um, And what's funny is I did the internship. Well, the internship finishes, so I had to go back to school, finish up school. Gotcha, yeah. Well, in that time frame between um, finishing up school and uh, another summer... They, uh, I didn't come back out here initially in 2017, and the Sky Sox were looking for someone, went back to Sky Socks, gotcha. uh was a clubhouse guy, and then came back out here, and I've been here ever since.
2: Man, the clubhouse guys have some of the best stories. I would never want to be a clubhouse guy, um, but, yeah, they, they have to do a lot. A lot of dirty, grimy work, too. Um, one of my best yes. friends, he's a, um, a former guest of the podcast, um, he actually followed me from Beloit to Delmarva um, as the clubhouse manager. Um, you know, it, it was it was awesome. You know, to have a familiar face, but right. Um, what's the best story that you can share from working in the clubhouse? I realize, I I mean, because we're both media relations guys, we have to yeah. do stuff in the clubhouse all the time. I realize there's a lot of stories you can't tell, um, but what's the oh, best yeah. one that you can?
3: Well, you know, there's a lot of stories. I mean, being a clubhouse guy, I mean, as you said, they do a lot of things that people don't realize. I mean, mm-hmm. and their hours they work too. Oh, yeah. A lot of their job is after the game. So yep. you think, oh, the game finishes and you get out by 10 o'clock. No clubbies are yeah. there till 2 a.m. sometimes yeah. doing the work. I mean, i had nights where I want to get home to about 5 a.m. because mm-hmm. of we're cleaning and all that stuff. But the best story actually happened Uh, This was probably, I think it was 2017, maybe 20, it was either 2015 or 2017. Uh, Justin Nicolino, a left-handed pitcher, uh, was in AAA with New Orleans. This was the Marlins' AAA affiliate. And Justin Nicolino was a top prospect, and he was a part of the big trade between the Blue Jays and the Marlins. So he was initially drafted by the Blue Jays traded in that Jose Reyes, like, 13-player deal. Yeah, I don't know if you remember uh, guys that were involved in that, but Jose Reyes was kind of the centerpiece mm-hmm. of that. Got traded over to the Marlins, and he was coming up as a prospect and was a good left hander Didn't throw hard, good good stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I remember him getting called into the coach's room, and I go, well, oh, cool. You know, he's going to call. He's on the 40-man, but, you know, it's it's just another day. He's, his start's coming up in two days, and... Didn't think anything of it. And he comes out, and then the coach calls over my boss, and they start talking. And my boss comes out and goes, All right, Steven, change your plans for your day today. You're gonna take Justin to the airport in Denver, which is about an hour and 25-minute drive, or so okay. it's not terrible. Yeah. But you're gonna take Justin to the airport and drop him off. He's up going up to the big leagues oh. for his major league debut.
2: Nice. And
3: I'm sitting there going, Okay. So they were playing in Cincinnati for the Reds. So kinda just gives you that aspect. So Colorado Springs to Cincinnati and he's pitching tomorrow. So I gotta get him up there fast. Right. Now my car at the time was not working. So (laughs) I was borrowing my dad's truck. Okay. I'm not used to driving my dad's truck. It's a lot bigger than my car. Loved to death, but a lot bigger, harder to maneuver, the gas was different. Yeah. And now I have to drive this guy to the airport for his big league debut. Talk about pressure. Yeah. Well, so I go and, t- you know, congratulations, Justin, we got to get out of here. You know, your flight is in X amount of hours. He goes, well, here's the thing too. He goes, I don't have a suit. I would like to get dinner. I need to go back to the hotel room. I have like a lit- a laundry list of things I have Ooh. to do. Yeah. So for the next couple of hours, we go around town going and de- doing different things. We, they were staying um, at this nice little area about 15 minutes from the ballpark. Uh, one of the best hotels in Colorado Springs still is to this day. Go over to the hotel. We pick up his stuff from the room. We take it over. We put into my co- into the, my dad's truck. We then go over and get him fitted for a suit. And then he goes, "Oh, we got time. Let's go to get dinner." And he treats me to a steak dinner.
2: Okay. Oh, and yeah. now
3: you know I'm I'm a young kid still, so I'm you know I don't get a lot of steaks in my life. Right. <laughs> it's something that. You know, I'm not expecting. Now, also, I'm eating dinner with a pro baseball player, and he's treating me to this too. <laughs> and we haven't gotten to—we haven't started driving really. Yeah. I mean, we haven't done this whole drive yet. Yeah. And what I think is crazy about then, we start driving there, and he calls his wife and his parents, and I get to hear him tell his wife and his parents that he's going up to the big league. That's awesome. Time. Emotions, tears—I'm crying, and I'm not even involved in this. Yeah. Thing. He's crying luckily there were some tissues and some kleenex involved in my dad's car at the time and he's just he's a mess the whole time calling everyone and then we get to the airport and he's got like four or five bags and he's wearing his new suit and the denver airport i don't know if you've ever been there it's a pretty good sized airport yeah i go there sometime you'll love every second of it they have a train that goes through different terminals it's just big. There's even before there's a huge uh, horse statue, a uh, statue right outside of the airport too. That pretty much once you see it, you can't miss it. And okay. it's kind of outside of Denver. It's like on the outskirts. Yeah. You kind of have to drive out there to get there. And so I'm sitting there going, "Well, I got to find parking, and mm-hmm. that's a mess in itself. Yeah. And now I got to take all of his stuff over to, uh, you know, to the uh, terminal, and." I'm sitting there going, I don't know how I'm gonna, I mean this is gonna be really weird because then you know I'm walking through and I've got his Marlins bag on one shoulder, he's carrying his stuff. It's super weird and you know he's six five and I'm five four five three at
2: the time, so <laughs> okay. you know
3: it's like it just it looks really strange. Yeah, and we get there and he just goes. You know, thank you for everything, gives me a nice little tip. He gives me some more money to get some food on the way home. Because oh, at this wow. point, we've already spent probably eight or nine hours together. I got to know his whole life story. Yeah. I mean at that point I mean, at this point, I mean, I think we were best friends, you know? And I think what's even amazing about it, so he gets to Cincinnati and he ends up pitching seven shutout innings and becomes the first Marlins player to in their debut to throw seven shutout innings at the time. Wow. And I believe that it happened later on, and I believe it happened from the late Jose Fernandez, I believe.
2: Oh, um, okay. Was the next one to yeah.
3: do it. Or Alcantara, you know, some people who are big name now right. guys were the ones who've done it. And afterwards, I remember him texting me and saying thank you for everything. And That's he had awesome. tweeted at me, and it was kind of one of those things where, you know, I felt like a big leaguer, even though it was something that it was just, we did all the goodness of my heart and kind of got i I wouldn't say stuck with the thing but it was kind of yeah yeah okay and so easily the best story i've ever had and i have a lot of them but to be able to take a guy to the airport for his big league debut and then him being able to dominate and see the emotions and hear his uh wife and his parents just scream in excitement when you know hearing those news i mean it's it's something you'll never forget
2: that's that's pretty awesome that that is a that is a great story my, my like airport stories, taking players and stuff to the airport, are nothing like that. Um, yeah. I do remember I had to drive our manager's car back from the airport after dropping him off. Which, again, that was like an hour, 20-minute drive, too. Because yeah. I would have to take him to Chicago, to yeah. O'Hare from Beloit. Um, so And then I also had to take our hitting coach... And a player um, who are both Latino, but the hitting coach is bilingual at this point. Yeah. Um, and so I had to drop him off first, and then I had to drop a player off, and he was going home to Venezuela. And he didn't speak any English, and I spoke barely any Spanish and he's asking me where to go. I help him get his bags in there. And I was like, dude, I don't know. I, I found him somebody that spoke Spanish. And then I, and then I left. Um, I was like, see you dude. Like I, I best of luck. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right.
3: And, and that's, and that's always what's scary too, is they, you know, when you have those experiences, when you're getting put in a situation where you might feel uncomfortable, the player feels uncomfortable. You hope that you get it right. Cause if something happens, it's kind of on you in a little bit when it comes to it. But it's, it's something that you, you absolutely love. And I mean, even being a clubhouse too, I mean, I got a chance to see some people that are big name guys, Carlos Correa, Carl mm-hmm. Crawford. The biggest tip I ever got was Carl Crawford. He pulled out a hundred dollars from his shoe. <laughs> and this was when Carl Crawford had just signed the biggest contract in major league history. or One of the biggest contracts at that point. Yeah, And he was on a rehab assignment with Oklahoma city. I met Corey Seeger. Okay. Um, I've gotten shoes from like Jerks and Profar and cool. um, a lot of some other guys that just treated me with so much respect. And, you know, it was one of those things where you hear about guys in kangaroo courts. And yeah. I don't know if anyone knows what kangaroo courts are. But oh, yeah. It's one of the funniest things in the universe. And when you hear about some of the stuff that these guys get in trouble for and you, you know, you see and be around things. I mean, I met guys like Tiago Vieira, who's now pitching, I believe, in Japan now. Okay. Um, you know, you, you meet all these guys who at the time, they're just, you know, they're trying to make it, but, you know, they make such big impacts on your life, and, you know, Mm -hmm. being a clubhouse guy, too, I mean, even though there's some days where you're grinding, I mean, that's why it's worth it, that's why working in sports is amazing.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: At True Crime Cast, we cover the big names and cases that everybody wants to hear, but we specialize in the small town unknown cases you've never heard of. If you're listening to True Crime Cast, you'll hear us give the details of each case and our analysis of whether or not justice is served. Find us wherever you find your favorite podcast. Y'all should go ahead and subscribe and join in on the conversation. I'm Jamie and I'm John. This is True Crime Cast.
2: Um, so, you're the number two broadcaster, and you fill in for as number one every now and then. What's the me- most memorable call that you've had so far?
3: There's two, and okay. I want to bring up both stories, because I think there's amazing uh, amazing stuff. So, 2018, uh, the Grizzlies were a, a win away from getting to the postseason. Okay. And it would have been the first time they would have made the postseason since 2015. And... I was calling the game on radio, and our number one broadcaster Doug Greenwald was on TV for that game. We had TV in, and oh, okay. uh, so he's doing his thing, I'm doing my thing, and get to I, I believe it was in the bottom of the ninth. It had to be the bottom ninth because that's how the story is going to end. Mm-hmm. Bottom of the ninth, and we're down, I think, th- three runs or something like that, maybe four, and we start putting together a rally against Salt Lake, and okay. we end up knocking out their reliever that was in at that point the um i believe then it was runners at first and third with one out or something like that okay and i remember right before they took out their pitcher to put in the new guy i said if so Kyle Tucker's come to the plate Kyle Tucker big leader with the Astros yep. i remember saying if Kyle Tucker with this new pitcher gets a pitch to drive here he has a chance to win the game for Fresno all right and and i'm thinking to myself you know just Every broadcaster, you say your comments, you say Mm -hmm. your little two cents, but how much of it comes true? Right. And so Tucker comes up, and I remember the pitcher comes in, the first pitch he throws, you know, gets in there, Tucker takes it. So they're going, okay, you know, it's kind of the same thing, trying to give the situation. And I go, you know, it's a couple pitches happen, I'm like, you know, two strike pitches coming on to Tucker, and then high drive, right field, and Tucker walks it off to clinch a playoff spot for the Grizzlies. And oh, I cool. remember in the middle of my call, my voice cracking, but getting so excited that we made the postseason for the first time in forever. And I think what's crazy about that call is, that my coworkers, and I, you know, I'm just a, you know an assistant, and I, I'm a number two guy, so I'm not, you know, I'm I'm kind of not even a big you know front office guy yet at that point. Mm-hmm. And they're playing it in the the our Kodiak Club, and they're yeah. pay, you know playing it over the loudspeakers, and I'm sitting there going. That's awesome. Doug's call is over there too, and you know his all over the TV, and it's amazing. But hearing your call over and over again, and knowing that it clinched a champion or it clinched a playoff spot. Now we didn't win the championship that year, but to clinch a playoff spot and to do it for a guy who's now in the big leagues and putting a name for himself uh, was something I'll never forget. And that'll be yeah. the first one. Um, but it was like, yeah, high fly to right field, and T- Kyle Tucker walks off for Fresno. They're in the postseason, and it was just. A moment that you'll never forget. Uh, cause how many people get a chance to call a walk-off to clinch a playoff berth? Right. And to be able to do it early on in your broadcasting career is something that true. Not a lot of people get that uh, amazing benefit to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second one, and this is something that gets me super emotional. Uh so you might see some tears right here. Okay. You know, it's okay, you know, like everything else, like when it comes to pulling tarp, you just gotta wipe away the rain and it's a new day. But yep. The crazy thing is in 2018, uh, same season, no, actually, this would have been 2019. Actually, I take that back. My dad was the tr- uh, AAA pitching coach for the Salt Lake Bees. Oh,
2: okay. Wow. And
3: they were in town visiting. Um, and I remember Doug coming to me and saying, Hey, I would love for you to do a pregame show of you interviewing your dad. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, Okay. Like, i talk to my dad every day it can't be that bad right so i go on and you know you're trying to be professional and you're like interview blah 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 and then you count down and also i'm like i'm here with my my dad and <laughs> it, it was kind of one of those things like this is really weird i remember like i did like this weird like chuckle of like this is actually happening but like yeah what you what do you ask your parents what do you <laughs> ask someone who's been in baseball for 30 plus years that right. you haven't asked them, or what's relevant enough that fans maybe don't know or need to know yeah. so it's like it's one of those things where I'm like what do you ask your dad and I remember then it getting played you know in the pregame show and stuff and having my dad you know kind of listening and people in the clubhouse listening to it and then coming back later and saying that was a really cool interview with your dad and the fans coming up to you and saying wow I really enjoyed that interview with you and your dad it was like whoa, well, I actually just got to interview my dad for a broadcast. Yeah. And, you know, something that people don't get a write about a lot.
2: Yeah, that's that is yeah. pretty cool. Those are those are two yeah. awesome stories. Wow. Yeah. Um so I'm not sure in what to what extent you are on the team's social media accounts, but I imagine yeah. you dabble here and there, especially with yeah. the broadcasting aspect. So what's the weirdest or comment or message you've received while on the team's social media accounts.
3: Yeah, so I'm actually for our social media, we have a couple different individuals that run different aspects, but I'm the main one that posts during the game, especially okay. on Twitter. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think like everybody else, you get those comments that are just out of right field or make no sense. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you'll get you'll get a comment that kind of puts down a player, or puts down your team in some way, and you're sitting there going, that makes no sense, or they'll put some kind of thing going, oh. Why is your team you know, doing XYZ or a comment that they think they know is going on? Mm-hmm. So the funniest thing I think that happened was I got a comment, and this was probably back in 2019, 20, beginning of 2020, and this guy tried straight up telling me, who's posting, how to do my job. <laughs> of, hey, your media relations person should do XYZ this would make your things better. And we're like, but they already do. And you're literally talking to, I didn't say this in a response, but you're literally talking to the person who does this. Mm -hmm. And it was, it's kind of one of those things where people don't know, you know, who runs the accounts or who does certain aspects. But I always find it funny when individuals who don't have done media relations or don't work in baseball, think they know how to run our jobs. Yeah, And I think that's something that people, always get frustrated about i had individuals that get upset why did you play live music in the first inning when the team was coming out on the field well our <laughs> pitcher's from venezuela so right he's
2: gonna he, get some live music he chose you know? the music yeah right yeah so
3: <laughs> you know or why did this why did you play some hawaiian music before the game well our guy's from hawaii so yeah. you know like it, it, it just it's like they just don't get guys. it yeah <laughs>
2: yeah wow man all right um so, Stephen, this is the Pulling Tarp Podcast. I always got to ask, do you have any crazy or wild tarp stories?
3: Yeah, so I have so many tarp stories. I mean, it's funny okay. because working in Colorado Springs, it rains more than people really realize. Okay. And I would say when I worked as a club, bee, we probably had 25 to 30 different rain delays in a season, maybe, oh. maybe 40. I mean, I remember getting one almost every day during our series against Oklahoma City. And I remember one day, uh, we were pulling tarp for a game, and uh, we the game was going to rain out. Like We weren't going to play in general. And for us, it was more of salvaging kind of the series because the team we were facing was not coming back for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. So my uh, other clubhouse guy at the time, uh, Jason Seidman, who is one of the most amazing human beings on the earth, He and I go start helping pull the tarp. And we're we're all trying to knock out everything. So we finish up pulling the tarp. Everything looks great. Everything is set up. And then I don't know what made this groundskeeper do this. He decides to pull the tarp by himself. By himself. Now, it's drenched. This tarp is drenched. Yeah. The strength on this guy is like the Hulk. He pulls the tarp and it rips in half. Wow. The tarp rips in half
2: oh my and,
3: gosh i mean it was like one person ripped a tarp in half and we don't know if it was because the amount of water that was just in one spot it finally did it and that's mm-hmm. what we thought it was an older tarp it's been through the ringer. that's what we thought i remember jason going up and taking a photo and there's a photo somewhere that i'll have to find at some point and when i find it i'll send the picture to everyone okay. so everyone knows what it looks like but the tarp literally was in half and so the whole series got canceled because the field was under so much water right. because they didn't get another tarp to fix it. Wow. And so how do you work in an area that rains or snows a bunch, mm-hmm. not have multiple tarps ready, or go get one to finish up a series, and the one that you have isn't up-to-date enough where it's going to rip in half by one person? Yeah. It was easily the weirdest thing in the universe. Oh, the other weird good. aspect actually happened this season here in Fresno. So we actually had a couple uh, rain days. Uh, we got we had, I think, one rain out, uh, made it up later during the series. It was like a Tuesday or Wednesday. And so our front office is ready. I mean, we all got ready for it. I've done it a thousand times, so I've got my shorts. We're all ready to go. And a couple of our players come out, and one of our players, our outfielder, E.J. Andrews Jr., goes, i'll hop in and do a tarp too you're a pro baseball player you're right and you're not supposed to be doing this yeah well we decided with our marketing manager uh jonathan bravo decided that he was going to put a gopro and everything so we had like a five-part series that you can see on our uh instagram page okay. about us pulling the tarp cool and ej andrews gets involved in one of the in one of the sections of it and helps us pull the tarp and i'm like you're a pro athlete. You could be playing a game in a couple hours right. and you're pulling tarp with us. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you've ever had something like that happen, but like having a pro baseball player pull a tarp with you, it's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, well, in Beloit, it was a necessity, I think at least once, maybe a couple of times, because we had such a small front office yeah. that there was no way we were going to get the tarp on at that moment in time, um, yeah. with you know, I think it was maybe like four people. We were we were pulling this tarp with wow. and um, everybody else was at you know meetings or you know doing this or that, and um, yeah, yeah. It so the players had to help us, um, even though you know Oakland. I don't think ever found out about that, but um, yeah, it was a necessity at that point. I
3: think what was funny, too, was our coaches literally saw him pulling the tarp and didn't say anything. I don't know if they actually gave him some repercussions for it or anything like that. And I remember him asking one of our other players, who, uh, Benny Montgomery, he's uh, one of our top prospects in the Rocky system, and he goes, Benny, come help, and Benny goes, I've never pulled tarp in my life. And I'm sitting there going, you're from Pennsylvania, bro. How have you never pulled tarp? And i'm sitting there going well you know what he is the top prospect he's a top player they probably said you don't have to worry about it right and so i think it's kind of funny when you see different guys or hear different guys who had to do it and other guys who haven't and then having to do it itself i mean high knees making sure you're being smart about things i mean i'm so fortunate that we have a staff that got together and knocked out the tarp and gave a little bit of shout out during the video to. Uh, uh, the senior uh, manager of communications for minor League Baseball, Jeff Lance, during it. So oh, okay. He's always a fan. He's always a fan of tarpool So okay, yeah. Uh, being able to do that kind of stuff was uh, pretty, pretty, pretty cool experience. All right,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. I've met I've met Jeff a couple times actually, and good guy. Sp- and sent a lot of emails back and forth yeah. too. So yeah, all right. Um, we did have one listener question. Perfect. Oh, get that pulled up here. I'm sure you saw it on Twitter. Yeah. Um, it's from Tim Lillis and Perfect he asks he asked, what's the weirdest or hardest change from AAA to single A.
3: You know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, we it's definitely a weird aspect being, you know, in a big AAA ballpark at the single A level. But I think the weirdest aspect is the age in general right?
2: yeah you, right.
3: you know when you work in triple a for so long your ages can go from like 21 to 40 something we had fernando rodney play for us a couple years ago yeah but these guys that are coming in they're 18 19 mm-hmm. 20 years old you'll have the occasional 25 26 year old but yeah. every guy is younger than me every guy is a baby you have guys you look at them you're like are you sure you're even 18? Right. you look like you're 10 years old. Yeah, That is easily the weirdest thing because we'll do promotion. So, you know, we have a couple sponsors. Hey, let's do a promotion. Well, we can't. They're not 21 years old. So they can't do this promotion because you have to be 21 to do X, Y, Z. Oh, we they can't do this. Or when you win a championship you can't do beer yeah you can't do you can't do you have to do sparkling cider you can't do the champagne you can't Mm -hmm. do the whiskey you can't do Mm -hmm. the beer you have to be very specific because of their age and so that's definitely the weirdest thing is where you don't think about those things because even though we've all been through it when you get older you start forgetting all those little things you have to do so you know talking to a guy the other day and he goes, yeah, I still have like an orthodontist. I go see for, my, for braces and stuff like that. And like, I was like, I've worn braces since sure. I was 18. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's right. You're 19 years old. Right, That makes a hundred percent sense. Mm-hmm. Or another guy comes through and he goes, oh yeah, my girlfriend is in college. Oh
2: yeah. Cause that you're 19. Makes
3: yeah. sense. Cause <laughs> yeah. you're just outside of college. Like yeah. there's things that you just don't think about when you talk to these guys. And it's one of those aspects where because they're kids, to treat them like an adult, but you have to understand they're still kids. And I think right. that is the hardest and weirdest thing because, you know, for me, I, you know, I'm not the most mature human being on the face of this earth. Sure, me like to try to, to try to be with guys and interview guys or talk to guys and realize they're still kids, kids say the darnest things. You have to be really on your A game when it comes yeah. to
2: it. Yeah, and sometimes those kids have, uh, like, multi-million dollars, like... <laughs> Yeah. exactly. So, which we, is kind of wild.
3: <laughs> and I think that's what's so funny about it, too, is that you think about these kids who are six. We have four or five guys who are 19 years or 20 years or younger mm. who are 6'4, six, 6'5, six, oh, 230 yeah. pounds of muscle. And I'm sitting there going, could I have gotten two more inches and 20 pounds more muscle? Yeah. Because I got stuck in a 5'7 frame and I weigh a buck 70 sopping wet. And. You have these guys who are literally built like grown men playing a kid's game as kids. And it's it's crazy because these guys are so talented. Mm -hmm. They're so smart. And even though they have their immature moments, they are super mature. Oh yeah, And that's something that people don't realize is that, especially the Rocky system, and this is kudos to their scouting department, to their personnel uh, in their player development departments, Jesse Stender specifically, where they go and get guys who not only are brilliant when it comes to physical specimens, mm-hmm. but they're smart here and they're mature. And, okay. you know, it's something where when you talk to a kid who's 19 years old, Drew Romo, who was, who was the number three prospect in the Rocky system. You talk to Zach Fiend, who's the number one prospect, and these guys are nice, they're kind, they have good energies, they're good. smart beyond belief. And I'm going, I wish I had a third of what you had at your age because when i was at your age i was picking my nose and trying to pick up the girl down the street Yeah, you know that was that's where it was you know so these guys are amazing people but that is definitely the weirdest thing is knowing you can't do certain things because of their age
2: yeah yeah um did your path ever cross with uh tim dillard when you were in colorado springs
3: yeah tim dillard i crossed paths with him multiple times not only with colorado springs uh even though I was on the visiting side, him being on the home side, we still pass him every day. Yeah. Uh, he was always just one of those goofy guys in general. And then I passed him too uh, when he came through with Nashville when I was working here in Fresno. Yeah. Um uh, so I've i passed him multiple times in his okay. in his route uh, through Minor League Baseball and easily one of the funniest, He's most so amazing people on the earth. If I had a if I had the rubber arm like Tim Dillard, I mean heck, I could still just be playing probably in the independent league somewhere because his arm never got hurt. He yes. was willing to do anything for any team. Yep. He was so helpful towards the media, someone that I respect full-heartedly when it comes to this.
2: Yeah, he he was a guest on the show. I mean, I know he never worked in minor league baseball, but it was just... Yeah. We we had exchanged some, some tweets back and forth, and yeah. um, so I figured, you know let's go on and talk about this. And he was more than happy to come on to the podcast. And um, he's super funny. Oh my gosh. He's so funny.
3: You know, it's, it's crazy to see guys like that who have personality because sometimes we work at baseball, you'll get those competitive guys that really are just straightforward, but this guy lives baseball as if he was playing as a kid. still, And that's what it's all about. And when you have guys like Tim Dillard come and do that kind of stuff. And he was an amazing player. People don't realize how yeah. good of a player he really was. Like, and he pitched the majority of his career also in Colorado Springs mm-hmm. in a non-pitcher-friendly ballpark. Yeah, like Security Service Field. Um, they have a new ballpark name now. I think it's UC Health Park now. But oh, okay. Security Service Field at the time when I was there was not friendly. And he had a very high ERA. But I was like, you know what? The guy pitches in every game. I mean. Right. If there was one guy who I would trust to put out there every single time, Tim Dillard.
2: Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. He's And a great follow on social media, too. Yes, he is. If yeah. you're
3: not following Tim Dillard, go give him a follow yeah. right now. Yeah,
2: Speaking of social media, where can the listeners find you on social media? This is your chance to plug anything. Yeah. Go well, for it. Well, first
3: of all, guys, thank you so much for you know coming into this. But you can find me at RiceTakes20 on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, I just post pretty much about my job. I love retweeting the Grizzlies. Um, And then, of course, you can follow the Fresno Grizzlies on also Instagram and Twitter at Fresno Grizzlies, uh, Fresno Grizzlies in general. You can also go to our website at FresnoGrizzlies.com. We have all amazing updates. We post some really funny stuff, including our mascot, Parker T. Bear, (laughs) who is the best mascot in all of minor league baseball. Uh, So make sure you follow us. We have a lot of really cool content. Today we posted some really cool stuff of not only our Marvel jerseys for this season, but we also post some really cool player content as well. Make sure you give us a follow. Make sure you give me a follow. I post some really wacky stuff. I have a lot of crazy followers too, so make sure you give you guys a follow on that.
2: Awesome. Awesome. So I know you've listened to a handful of episodes, and you know I end with the same question every time. What has been the best walk-up or warm-up song you've heard in your baseball career, and whose was it?
3: See, you know, it's funny because I have always heard of so many different things, but the best one still to this day is J.J. Putz Ooh. coming out in the ninth inning at Safeco Field. This was Safeco Field, okay. and he'd come out to J.J., na-na-na-na-na-na, J.J., ACDC. Yep. He rocked it out every single time when he came out. It was an electric atmosphere, something that you'll never forget. It was easily the best thing ever. When the fans got into it, I mean, everyone loves Edwin Diaz coming out to it, but people never really got a chance to see what J.J. Putz got to come out to every time he came out to pitch in a game. And when you talk about a guy who really put down that closer rule, it was fun. You knew when the music came on, it was going to get loud. It was going to get rocking. When the crowd starts going, J.J., when the beats drop in, it was something that you'll never forget, uh, growing up as a kid and so for me it had to be jj putz okay. coming out in the ninth inning
2: all right that's awesome man um so we'll ride out with that song and steven thank you so much for taking the time out of your evening uh to come on the pulling Tart podcast really appreciate it this is a great conversation and uh let's stay in touch man
3: sounds good hey thank you so much guys i appreciate you guys and go fresno grizzlies
2: all right
1: You've listened to the Pulling Tart Podcast, distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.
0: Hello, everyone. I'd like to invite you to listen to a new podcast called Art Rages. It's a podcast about the truly outrageous stories of the art and design world. I'm your host Carrie, and each week we'll cover stories that are just plain crazy. Join me every Thursday for a new episode with stories from art theft, fraud, crime, and mysteries to designer drama, fun conversation tidbits, and discussions about current events. Find Artrageous wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until then, stay Outrageous.
1: At True Crime Cast, we cover the big names and cases that everybody wants to hear, but we specialize in the small town unknown cases you've never heard of. If you're listening to True Crime Cast, you'll hear us give the details of each case and our analysis of whether or not justice is served. Find us wherever you find your favorite podcast. Y'all should go ahead and subscribe and join in on the conversation. I'm Jamie and I'm John. This is True Crime Cast. <laughs>